2: this is wheel bearings i'm dan roth from forbes i'm dan i'm not you are dan, <laughs> you want to you want to <laughs> start again or leave well, it let's keep going I,
3: i'm right. sam abu i'm not dan roth and i am, am from uh, navigant
2: research
4: and you should i be? you're, you're
2: also dan roth <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
4: You cannot escape. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And I'm (laughs) of The Summit from, oh, no. (laughs) I'm Rebecca Lindland from Rebecca Drives.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm glad that we're all punchy this evening. Uh, Clearly, none of us has caught the latest coronavirus or whatever. but you guys are back from the Chicago auto show. That was a great uh, episode we did last week remote in three parts. That was actually, it was great. We had a nice, uh, normal size show in, th- in three easy to assemble bites. <laughs> so, um, I enjoyed it. Didn't it was good. Cool. You didn't cool. have to do
3: any audio alignment, just had to drop them in. Uh, yeah.
2: To, would, would you use logic? Uh, I use audition. Okay. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was night. Nice. i recorded some bookends just for giggles yep. and, uh, off we went. Um, Inside baseball aside, let's talk about what we're we're driving, because uh, it's been a little while. You guys didn't talk about that last week, because uh, you were talking about what you were sitting in instead. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Sam, you have the... Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I was going to start with the, the media cars, but now I'm thinking... Let's Rebecca, start with Rebecca. Yeah, <laughs> you... You went out to to Illinois. I looked at the pictures you you uploaded to to Slack. I was like a a detective. I was like, where is she? Where (laughs) is that thing? I looked at the So in the background of one of the pictures, there was a triple A truck. And I lifted the area code off the triple A truck to figure out where exactly you were. (laughs) I was so intrigued. Um, I was also dodging doing other stuff I didn't want to do. But uh, yeah, so you you went out to Illinois and and got a a nice... uh, sort of time in, in like a high miles vehicle.
3: Dan, hold, hold on a second. Dan, you could have just looked at the license plate on the, uh, I know I vehicle.
2: knew it was Illinois, but I didn't know like, well, so <laughs> a, it was, did they drive the thing from Illinois to Connecticut? Like, is that Greenwich I'm looking at? Didn't look like Greenwich. And so I was like, okay, so it must be Illinois. And I was like, all right, well, there's, there's an area there. Okay. So that narrowed it down to basically the general area um, and, and then I looked at the, at the, picture of the interior and I saw like the college sticker on the back. I was like, oh, okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a university in Indiana. So I did my detective work. <laughs>
4: you were busy. It, it, I was, it
2: was like, I was eating an apple. It was lunchtime. I was just <laughs> killing some time. <laughs>
4: I have to remember which pictures I upload next time. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> yes. Be careful.
4: <laughs> so, yes. So, and I'm going to give a shameless plug. Uh, so my cousin, Pam, And her husband, Jeff, and their four amazing, wonderful kids, Uh, they live out in Wheaton, Illinois. And Pam actually has a really fantastic uh, floral business out there where she does uh, called Bloom Floral. And she does uh, flower arrangements for all different Kinds of events and such and so uh, and her husband Jeff is a pastor in Elmhurst and and actually my college roommate lives out there as well so what I typically do is after the Chicago Auto Show then on that Friday then I go out to Wheaton and spend the weekend and see people that I love which is fun so That's right you were in Illinois anyway right so, exactly Yeah. so historically I had I usually will grab a press car from somebody but the reality is that generally, It is snowing there almost every day in February. And they have a, they have a, like a, it's, it's, what's it called? We're in the, um, like a tandem driveway. I was thinking of the railroad, the shotgun houses, but it's, it's a tandem driveway. And so, and they have three cars. So adding a fourth car, we just end up juggling cars. So instead, I, Got an Uber or Lyft? I actually got a Lyft specifically, and just didn't have a car. But uh, Pam and Jeff both do a lot of uh, really fantastic uh, charity work, and, and they have they support a lot of uh, a lot of people within the community and such. And so I actually had to pick up somebody to bring her to a commercial kitchen where she volunteers and, and works and such. And so in the process of doing that. I drove in a 2008 Honda Odyssey with 198,000 miles on it. And what amazed me was just how good this thing still was. Like, I mean, and this thing has, has not been garaged. It's, you know, it's been out in that beaten weather all these 12 years. And it was just, it was fun to drive an older vehicle like that because keeping in mind that, you know, the average vehicle is at 11 and a half years old. And yeah. this is what people are driving. You know, it was just, it was such a great example. So, of course, you know, the, the um at first I didn't think it had any kind of backup camera at all, but it actually does. It has the one that's in the rear view mirror, like the little corner two by two inch one. Mm-hmm. do you guys remember those so
3: the, yeah so the display <laughs> is embedded in the in the side of them in the edge of the mirror
4: yes which i okay. discovered the second time that i backed up uh, because the first wait, time wait, wait,
2: not I, the the interior rear view mirror yes or, yeah yeah back, yes. back in the day dan
3: before they started putting screens everywhere in cars yeah um uh, you know on, on a lot of on a lot of the early vehicles with backup cameras they would just put a little like like Rebecca said, like a little two inch square LCD <laughs> embedded in the interior rear view mirror and project, you know, project the view from the camera, uh, right on there.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I vaguely recall that from like my first days of press cars. Uh, and it's just, it makes me, um, curious why, uh, it was such a big deal when who, who was it that just released or just said, like, they've got the first backup camera that's integrated in there and some I don't know I forget it's it's probably just sort of like marketing PR nonsense that um yeah, they recently it, it, it pretty much was changed something around and like now it's it's this fancy camera display in your rear view mirror and oh, are first. you
4: thinking of oh you're thinking of the camera view where yeah, the probably. you flip them you flip the rear view mirror and then you can actually see that entire back uh, so, like, for towing or if you've got storage in the back. Yeah, I, I think Is that where it you're talking actually,
3: about? No, there was actually another recent announcement um, yeah. that I, I can't remember who it was, um, but uh, it, it just keep talking. It's not important. It's not important. It's all, not all important. None
2: yeah. of the things I say are important. Let's just keep <laughs> moving. I'm <laughs> uh, so... With with two hundred thousand miles on it, what's there? Is it, this is I think this is actually one of the things that is kind of interesting to our listeners because um, they own vehicles that are yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them own vehicles that are this age or are yes. getting there. Uh, no, normal people have cars that are are uh, up there in age and miles because they're so so expensive and they take a long enough to pay off that by the time you're done paying for them, you want to get all the the use out of them. Um, How's their experience like with ownership been? Has it been troublesome? Has it been? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how much you've
4: chatted about it, but. Right. Not at all. They haven't had any issues with this vehicle. And, you know, they I mean, one of the reasons it has so many miles on it is because uh, her family, my cousins, are in uh, Pennsylvania are in eastern Pennsylvania and then also New Jersey. And they they I'm pretty sure they've driven it down to Florida as well. Uh, on family vacations because there's six of them and and so you know so and and her family my uncle used to have a place in Florida so you know these are these are both a combination of highway miles but then an awful lot of local miles as well I mean you know she uh, Pam is also a voiceover actress and so. She may go into Chicago every now and then, but she really primarily is around town. And so there's a combination of these long drives, you know, at certain times of the year and then just hauling kids back and forth. All of her kids are athletes. All of them play sports in one way or the other. Uh, one goes to Taylor, as you mentioned, in Indiana, and the other three all went to Wheaton nearby. But I've got
2: Wheaton, Wheaton, wait, 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 which Wheaton? There's a Wheaton here.
4: Wheaton College um, in, in Wheaton, Illinois. The, oh. Christian, the Christian school, yeah. Oh, that's but, not the Wheaton College that's here? In no, no. <laughs> no I guess they were the same. No, there's two Wheaton uh, colleges. <laughs> oh, I'm so confused. You are learning so many things tonight, I, I, Dan. I'm so <laughs> proud of you.
2: <laughs> Look, I went to state school. It was not... I mean,
4: so, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, that was the thing that struck me, as I said, was that this is a typical car that's on the road today. So this was clearly a very dolled up affair because it did have that backup camera. Uh, it, it doesn't have remote, it doesn't have any kind of remote start or anything like that. It's, uh, it, you know, it has the electric on the, on the key fob. It has the power doors and, and, uh, you know, and remote unlock on the key fob um but you know the the tailgate and and of course it has the stow and go or not the stow and go what is the magic seat that honda calls it uh oh, that, right, the magic so
2: what does the magic seat do it it moves out makes a hall like a hallway in the middle right
4: no so the <laughs> magic seat so the the it uh there's a big cavernous uh bit uh, um oh the, th- call it. the
2: third the third row right the
4: third row tumbles right. in to, that, yeah, I, don't, I, don't that space. If,
3: if, I don't know i if, don't know if honda used the magic seat term on that for the the minivans that oh, okay. magic seat was the, the fold up the back seat in the fit um and but yeah you're right you know the these uh these rear this third row seat you know just kind of flips back and into that bin so you have a flat load floor back there and that's actually the way um the other minivans the toyota sienna and the uh the Chrysler minivans uh, work now as work now as well. So it's it's like the and Go, basically the same concept as the and Go. But I think Honda was actually the first to do this,
4: right? They were. So I thought they still called it. I feel like when I was doing some research, I thought they still called it the Magic Seat, but the, oh, Magic Slide is I think what they called it. But it's basically it it, it folds mostly flat into the the third row, um, and then it had those. It, it has the, the quick release doors that close automatically on the two sides. Uh, but it's, again, it's not, uh, I don't think you can close the doors electronically and there's not like a button, like you have to pull the handle and then the door goes. So, you know, it had, I mean, this was, again, this was clearly an upper range model because it does have a lot of amenities in it. So but, it but was look at, looking
3: at these photos, you know, it, you know it looks like you know it's in pretty amazing shape for you know a car with in, a vehicle uh, with 200,000 miles on
4: it it is in amazing shape inside and out and with four kids inside like i mean it's impressive four kids two dogs at any given time you know what it what that van has put up with (laughs) is just phenomenal. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it was because it was, and the way it drove, it was quiet. It was, you know, the steering was maybe a little bit loose, but I actually ended up driving it to the airport, which was a good 30 miles. And, you know, so really got a feel for it on the highway as well. The visibility was terrific in it, of course, but, you know, again, it was just, it was impressive. It was just impressive for that many miles to be in that good condition and not garaged either. You know, so Pam had told me, she's like, we really didn't, haven't had major issues with it. You know, I will say that her husband is a little bit uh, it's picky about his vehicles. And so I'm sure he's taken exceptional care of it, but it also shows how much life you can get out of a vehicle even if you can't garage it, but just taking really good care of it, it has very little body wear on it. You know, there's a little pat, a couple of patches, uh, a little rust on it. But again, we're talking about Chicago, twelve Chicago winters. Right, I thought cars you know? just kind of melted. I mean, it's incredible.
2: <laughs> they, they—that's what the, I mean. Those things they just get devoured by salt around here. So
4: it, yeah, exactly. So kudos to Honda because it really—it's a remarkable vehicle.
3: And uh, and just to uh, um, verify what you said, it, they, Honda does in fact refer to that third row as a magic seat. Oh, they do. Uh, okay. So,
2: yes. So you were right.
4: Yay! I love being right. <laughs> so and it's, you know,
2: it was interesting because my uh, my brother and his wife bought one of those about the same year, um, and it hit. It it hit like the hundred and twenty, hundred thousand mile range and there's an expensive service they need. Like the timing belt is expensive to do. Sure, but like it's, sure. it's it's like wear items, you know, and, and any car these days has has something around that age that gets expensive. But a coworker has one that's like the same same year and um, you know, every car has its different circumstances, so who knows what what theirs has gone through but she came in a couple of weeks ago and it was like the check engine light was blinking and she's like is that bad i'm like yeah that's that's not that's not good
4: <laughs> yeah that's that's never
2: good <laughs> like <anymore. laughs> when it's when it's on it's bad when it's blinking it's worse right. so uh let's let's check it and a quick google was like oh yeah that's something major that's like a major misfire um <sighs> and uh apparently sometimes the spark plugs like to come apart and so you get, like, the electrode smashing around inside the cylinder. So I was like, Ooh, that's um, not good. Yeah. That's and it, good, it ran with, like, a very obvious skip. It wasn't, it didn't sound like, uh, you know, like, like hammering, like if there was something actually in one of the cylinders. But I was like, you should have this flatbedded to the yeah. dealer <laughs> so that they can diagnose it and it, it doesn't break on the way. Because, you know, in my cowboy days, I've been like, oh, we'll head out to, to, to we'll, we'll aim for the dealer and see how far we get. That's <laughs> not... Not anything i would recommend for anybody else um and so Especially they, if you're hauling
3: a bunch of kids around yeah
2: exactly if you have a minivan you need kids uh, or you, you need a minivan because you got kids um and this so she took it to the dealer and they called back she's like so they said i need like a new engine i need rings cuz it was you know pulling oil past the rings and fouling the plugs It's like oh you could just have them replace the plugs it'll be fine for a while <laughs> she's like no 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 we have to fix it like i need the car to work so they—they, they, I'm assuming they rebuilt the engine, you know, honed the cylinders, and and threw rings in it, and hopefully did the bearings in the lower end and stuff. But uh, it was—it was a surprise to me. Like that's the first real instance I've seen of a modern car needing needing that kind of thing. And I, I think part of it is just uh you know the the kind of use a minivan gets but they're, they're always hard miles they're in town they're stop and go it's yep. like the hardest miles a car can do exactly and um you know not everybody commits to fixing the car when it runs into that kind of thing they usually just say like well we'll just Let's get a new one, especially if it's at a dealer service department. They they will happily refer you to the sales guys so they can sign you up for another six years of payments um, for for a job that you would, you know, you could have put it on a credit card and paid it off in a couple of months. Uh, But, you know, we won't talk about reality. (laughs) Sometimes you just want it to smell better. Uh, So, yeah, Uh, but it sounds like they haven't had that issue. It's not like a not an endemic problem with the, the Odyssey.
4: No, it's definitely not. Um and they also have uh, what was their other they also have an absolutely ancient, ancient uh Ford F one fifty and they sold their like 1986 Toyota Camry for a dollar to somebody this weekend as well. <laughs> so oh, I missed that transaction. That's, uh, that's like one of that's it may the first have been a Camry. ninety. It, no, I'm sorry. Oh. It may have been a 1990 or something, a but it was a two, uh, 2000 rather or 2000. It was oh, old. Yeah. It was really old. And that one had all sorts of, um, they were having all sorts of issues with it and somebody else was driving it. And then um, I honestly, I can't think of what her husband, drives because i barely saw it but um yeah so it, it was it was an array of of um of typical vehicles that yeah. are on the road you know that people yeah, are driving I mean,
3: we, we we have a family friend that uh, also they, they currently have an odyssey a, a 2016 but they for that they had like a 2002 or 3 odyssey that they they drove pretty much into the ground you know, and, you know, hauling around the kids and, you know, hauling around hockey gear and all kinds of other um, detritus over the years. And, uh, you know, they, they had a great experience with that one too. You know, and I think, you know, what you described, Rebecca, sounds like, you know, it's the the ideal use case, you know, for a minivan. You know, when you've got a family to haul around, you got people to haul around, you know, a minivan is just so much more useful and practical than an SUV, you know, absolutely. This kind of
4: case. And well, and it I mean, can get you through so many life stages because it can get you through all the, all the children's life stages. And then in their case, you know, like her, her mom, my aunt is 80. And so, you know, getting in and out of that van was super easy. Yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, with the seats moving and stuff, you can put, you can still put so much gear in and, and in Pam's case, she started this floral business. So now they haul some stuff, you know, in the floral business. And it's just, I mean, there's, there really are, there's so many uses for a minivan and it's, they're, they're really hard to beat in many ways, even though, man, I did feel matronly driving that. thing. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, it's,
2: I, I drove vans when I was, not even married, you know and and when, like yeah. you still
4: got married no, not it,
2: <laughs> they weren't my vans. I'm just saying, like as part of my jobs, you know sometimes you wind up in in the van, and uh you know they have their uses and and that's where the the charm is, yeah I, I, look, I'm still amazed I got married, um not because I didn't want to, because she agreed. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the you know and the other thing with the minivan that's handy is if you're a, a voiceover artist it could be a handy uh you know sound booth no matter where yes, you go is she exactly. uh, is she,
4: <laughs> she, she a member of sag or AFTRA? i believe she is yes and oh, then she yeah. also has a children's book out yeah oh, she's just, a really talented lady <laughs> you
2: guys are all entrepreneurs yeah
4: she's a pretty cool she's a pretty cool chick
2: um, so uh
4: yeah so no it's a it was it was a lot of fun a great great weekend
2: Are you ready Uh, now to get back in brand new, highly luxurious cars you don't own?
4: Well, so I'm in a Lexus GX570 right uh, we now. we talked
2: about yeah, th- So mean, we'll talk
4: about that next time.
2: Speaking of cars from 2008.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, no that's, the, that's the LX. This is the it GX. Is
2: the, yeah, but the GX is no spring chicken either. It right? is no
4: spring chicken either. And fortunately, the, the floor mats are labeled GX, so I can remember which one I'm driving. <laughs> uh, but the other thing I'm doing next week is the Corvette Stingray drive.
2: Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: i get really excited
2: about where. Where is that? Um, Can you divulge? If you can't say, yes, like,
4: I just I have to think about it. It's in it's Las is. Vegas.
2: Oh well, that'd be a good good yeah, place for it. Las Vegas. You know, but, there's, some
3: good, there's some good roads there. Once you get out of town, up into the mountains.
2: You know what though? I feel like they're they're really short selling that car. They need to bring it up to like. Palmer Motorsports Park or, like, Club Motorsports up here in New Hampshire this Mm. time of year. Just show show off. Yeah,
4: it'll be interesting to see what the the roads are like and such. Um, But I'm also very interested, you know, when we think about all those screens, I'm interested to see how all those buttons – I, play out.
2: Yeah. I, so my expectation, and we can, we can revisit this when we can, when you come back. Yes. Uh, my expectation is that you're going to use it and you're, you're going to sit, you will at least say it's not as bad as you think. You may actually really like it. It might actually work really
4: well. Yeah, no, it might, it might. I, I I'll be interested. So I shall report back in due or, time. Or you
3: Or you may just drive it and have so much fun driving that you forget the buttons are even there. I, I probably more likely. <laughs> that
4: is more likely because it is a convertible. So. Oh,
3: well, even better. Uh better.
4: Uh,
2: convertible.
3: Jeez. Oh, Dan, you're such a curmudgeon. Uh, I
2: am. <laughs>
4: oh, no, my gosh. Uh, uh,
2: Convertibles are the best.
4: The very first car I ever bought was a convertible.
2: The very first car I ever rolled was not a convertible, but it reminded <laughs> me that it's good to have a roof there. <laughs> so in case you roll over, it scarred me for life. It's like I would have been, I would have been like. But, just, but on the other hand, if you have
3: a convertible, then you, you have a lower center of gravity because you don't have all that extra mass up there. Yeah. So you're less likely to roll.
2: Yeah. When you're 17, you can roll anything. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, all right, well then, now let's talk about actual. I'm new sorry.
4: I or, do you, or is there something wh- No, it's not the convertible. I don't know where my head was. It's, it's just the Corvette. It's the Targa. Though. It's just Targa. Yes. Yeah. yes.
2: Yeah. So but make sure you take the targa fun. roof off or, you know, so the, the Corvette, I was actually um, not to completely divert, but like I'm, I'm really interested in that car because it seems like they've done such a thorough job of engineering it. Um, it's such a big change. Just, you know, the way they talk about like how the back glass is extra thick. They had a real problem with noise, trying to get the noise mm. down because you went from having the engine three or four feet away sure. in front of you to right, right behind, behind you. your
1: ear yeah for sure
2: um so they had to do a lot of work to make and not just keep it quiet but get the right sounds in the interior because you still, yeah. still want to hear it roar um through the intake and and stuff like that you really can't hear the exhaust on it much at all uh so it, it was just it's such an interesting car and it, it, like it's been cooking for so long the, the mid-engine corvette and and yeah. really uh it's as much of a shift as the, the 84 Corvette was, the the, the Dave Hill. Yeah, car.
4: no, absolutely. It's it's stunning. So we we are going up to Spring Mountain, which I haven't been to before. Oh,
3: nice. That's a nice track.
4: Yeah. So which I prefer because I did, I was on a track outside of Vegas uh, with the Fiat 500 Abarth years ago, and I didn't love it. But I think part of it was they had put chicanes in it, very specific and, and points that were much more. It didn't have flow, like it was a super technical track, but without the nice flow that you want from a technical track. And it just, I don't know, I was kind of dreading it. But no, so Spring Mountain, that'll be really, that'll be cool. Well, hey, take lots of videos and stuff. I'll keep you if posted you, if you can. Yeah, you, you want to send you a GoPro? Send you a GoPro. Um, you know what? I have a GoPro, but it's really old. Yeah, mine it too. Audi. I got a file take it out though. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Maybe I'll order one. We'll see. I have a few days. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you can write it off for taxes, right, for next year. Uh- <laughs> exactly. Anything I can write off. <laughs> All right. All right so- anyway, so what do you guys try? <laughs> yeah, well, Sam's
2: driving the high performance Edge, the Edge ST, which uh- uh, no Explorer Explorer. ST. ST. I'm sorry, Explorer ST. Uh, so, yeah. how is it? <sighs> it's it's
3: Uh-oh. it's uh, it's it's powerful. It's got lots of power um you know and I mean, generally i like the explorer the new explorer um it's definitely much better than the old one you know it's got better visibility you know it's 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 roomier um you know since i initially did the the, the launch drive in the explorer last june out in uh, out in oregon uh you know i've had the opportunity to drive the palisade the hyundai palisade and the kia telluride and you know those you know i think from a Packaging standpoint are actually probably a little bit better and certainly the I think the, um, the Palisade in particular, you know, has probably, you know, some slightly nicer interior, um, you know, maybe a little more upscale looking um, than the Explorer, um, you know, but neither, you know, neither of the, the Hyundai Kia SUVs, you know, have the they're, they're both based on front wheel drive platforms, they don't have the kind of performance capability that the Explorer ST does. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't call this um, you know an all you know an all out performance SUV. You know, I think I'm I'm less convinced of the efficacy of putting the ST badge on this and on the uh, on the Edge than some of the folks at, at Ford Performance have tried to convince me uh, that they deserve it. Um, but you know, nonetheless, it's it's fairly quick. Um, you know, but being powered by an uh, a Ford EcoBoost V6, um, you know, as is often the case, you know, there's a lot more boost than there is Eco. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the, week, the week I had it, um, you know, it was you know, it was on the cold side. It was, you know, in the mid-20s most of the week. And, you know, this thing averaged about 14 and a half miles per oh. gallon. Wait, is that the 2.7 yeah. or the? No, this is the 3-liter. Um, oh, so a, it's four, right. four, four, 400 horsepower. Uh, all-wheel drive is standard on the ST. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a pig when it Four- comes to using fuel.
4: 14. That's
2: awful. Yeah.
3: yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's not good. Um, oh you know, well, what were
2: you doing with it? Like, was you
3: just
4: 10 year old? I mean, that's 10 nothing, year old. Just, mine. <laughs> just, just,
3: just driving it around. I mean, I, I didn't even, you know, I, I didn't even, you know, thrash it very much. You know, it was mostly just driving around town. Uh, You know, a couple of highway trips, Uh, you know, it was mostly around town driving. It wasn't a lot of highway driving on it. So that, you know, that definitely, you know, pushed it in that direction. Um, But still, you know, it's it's just not very fuel efficient to to put it mildly. Um, You know, it's rated the EPA rating is 18 city and and 24 highway. The thing Um, is that
4: that's how you you drove it is how people will drive it. You know what yeah,
3: I mean? Like, no, absolutely. And, wow. And in cold weather conditions, you know, this is, you're probably going to get about 14 to 16 miles per gallon with this thing. I, I would think, you know, unless you're being really gentle with it, um, you know. And, That's bad. Yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's not good. And and this is, you know, and, you know, the like I said, you know, when I first drove it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice engine, but it's not that big a step up. From you know, from even the uh, certainly not from the the two point seven liter, um, or no, let's see, they have no even the the other V six is also a three liter, um, but it's just it's a less powerful version. It's four hundred horsepower in the ST. It's three sixty five, um, in the um, the XLT, uh, or the limited, and you know, so it's not that big of a jump in power. It does have you know more tire and bigger brakes and things like that on the ST. Um, but you know, I mean, you're not, you're not going to be driving this thing like a sports car and, you know, you're better, you're probably better off. I think even going with the the base 2.3 liter four cylinder, you know, which has 315 horsepower and is going to be significantly more fuel efficient than this. And there's also the hybrid version, which is even more so. The hybrid's the um, one to get.
2: I mean, uh, yeah. the, I think the, they've they've probably made the right decision giving it more engine and ST trim than really, you know, sort of tightening up the chassis, uh, which I'm sure it rides and handles okay. Uh, yeah. More than fine. But uh, the thing that's going to impress that buyer, I think, is like when you stomp on it, does the damn thing go? And I'm sure it does.
3: Oh, it, it, it definitely goes. Um, but, you know, like I say, even the... the- the you know the mid-level trims with the the regular three liter um they go pretty well too you know it's not that much quicker that's that's the thing it's not the the difference in performance is not that noticeable because the other engine is is so close to this that there's it doesn't seem like it's worth it um and you know especially when you consider that this thing costs just shy of sixty thousand dollars oh yeah the the sticker including delivery came to $59,520. I'm
2: I'm sorry, that's wow. a Lincoln. That's that's an a- that's that's a Lincoln yeah. price. I mean for that I, wow.
3: y- I would you, you're all, you're better off to buy the Aviator and the Aviator's got a nicer interior.
2: Can you can you um, do they overlap at that point? I mean I'm I'm sure you can yeah, get them the pretty they're for cl- for
3: They're they're pretty close. Um uh you know, the other <laughs> thing that annoyed me about this one when I drove it last June, you know, so the ST and the Platinum uh, are the only explorers that have the 10-inch the uh, touchscreen in the middle. And what Ford did was when they decided to put the 10-inch in there, um, they went, the, the the base models have an 8-inch screen. And they picked the 10-inch because, and they, they turned it 90 degrees and made it a portrait screen instead of a landscape screen. because you can fit a 10 inch screen in the same width as the eight inch screen. So it fits in between the the vents that are on the, uh, on the dashboard. And when, when they did that, they did, they didn't, you know, they did some rearrangement of the the sync three interface, but they didn't do a very good job of it. It's not very complete. And, you know, when you're just using, you know, the, the built-in stuff, the built-in sync three stuff, it works fine, but when you're using um, when uh, when you're using Android Auto or Apple CarPlay, now it just uses the top half of the screen for the CarPlay display, and then the rest, you know, it's got a big box that says Android Auto preferences or Apple CarPlay preferences. Yeah, you know, so it's basically wasting you know more than half of that screen.
4: So they didn't uh, recalibrate it. For... No,
3: they didn't. They didn't re reflow everything. Wow, and you know, so it's it's not. Re- I would not recommend you know going with that one. Uh, you know, I, I, I say if you want an explorer, I would go with you know the mid level like the XLT um, or the limited, and uh, get the you know stick with the eight inch screen instead of upgrading to the ten inch because it's you're you're not really getting anything extra for it.
2: So is this is just more. Illustration of how because this launch has not gone well. Like this is part of the reason why Ford. <laughs> yeah. Told that's Joe, one way of saying it. Uh, Joe Hinrich to take a hike. Um, uh, he made a classy exit, but this is this is one of the one of the things that's dragging Ford down right now is the launch of the Explorer and the Aviator, but mostly the Explorer. Right, the way that it's rolled. Yeah, because that's that's the high volume model. Yeah. Um. So it just seems like the 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 sort of product plan or or just the ideas behind it were not fully baked or uh, like, it certainly seems that way.
4: Yeah. I did, mean, they, did they think it? nobody would, do they think nobody would notice or that it wouldn't matter? I, like with the screen?
3: I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think they're, they're hoping that people, you know, people mostly just stick with the standard sync three stuff, which, you know, works better than the, you know, using CarPlay player and Android, Android auto in this thing. Um You know, I think, Next, you know, probably, uh, you know, for 2021, you know, or maybe, you know, partway through 2021, it'll probably get an upgrade to sync Four, which should be better, uh, you know, because that's that's actually designed uh, to support portrait screens, uh, among other things. And so but that won't be back backward compatible to the 2020 models uh, because it requires different hardware. Uh, And, you know, as you've been um, talking about. Pulled up the uh, Lincoln Aviator, the mid the mid level Aviator Reserve model starts at fifty six and it has the same powertrain in it, the same three four hundred horsepower V six.
2: There, and I'm I'm sure that they're are two different frames of mind, right? The ST is dressed up differently. The Lincoln is clearly, um, yeah. I mean, it's got a little luxury. sportier look
3: to it. Yeah, yeah, and the the Lincoln is more luxurious, but you know, I think you know for for that kind of money. I would probably go with the Lincoln. You know, if I'm going to spend 60 grand on it, I would go with the Aviator.
4: Well, and also just what else in the market can you get for 60 grand? You know, Uh, that's right. (laughs) And that's like, uh, one and a half Palisades. I mean, oh my gosh, right? And that's the thing is that or people- a Palisade and a sh- Sonata. You can get they a 2008 in- Honda
2: Odyssey and a down payment on the house. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people don't shop in isolation and it just sounds, I feel like sometimes, and Ford is not the only one guilty of this, but I feel like they sometimes, you know, just operate in isolation. I mean, not that they don't do their due diligence when it comes to pricing, but there's a lot out there for that kind of money. It's crazy
3: yeah no uh, yeah, that's absolutely true um yeah it's it's not that it's a bad vehicle overall but it is it, it is kind of thirsty on fuel and the the um the infotainment just doesn't really work on that portrait screen
2: well they, they i'm sure that their expectations for the ST in particular are not high volume um it, it's um actually, i don't know about that really I think, you know, like on the edge i think the st is now like over twenty percent of sales. Well, to, to be fair, the Edge ST storms down the highway like something German. I was so impressed with yeah. that thing. I, uh, it, it's not a great handler either. It's a little clumsy, but man, it's got long legs. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was it was not that it was not thirsty to the tune of fourteen miles to the gallon when I drove it. So, uh, you know how how does it drive? I, I feel like we didn't necessarily. It, it drives
3: really well. I mean, yeah. you know the 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 ST is definitely a little stiffer than the mid-level trims um but you know it's not it's not uncomfortable at all and you know it's got really good driving dynamics because you know this is a new rear wheel drive platform uh you know and it's got the a similar um rear suspension architecture to what's on the Mustang it's it's an integral link rear suspension system so it's a multi-link setup the the front is struts and that's another difference between the Explorer and the Aviator. the The Explorer has a strut front suspension system. On the Aviator, they actually go; they have a completely different setup with dual control arms, uh, short long arm suspension system on the on the front. So it's actually even a little better. But nonetheless, you know, this is this is still a, a really good package, um, you know, and it. I think. I think it generally has, you know, better driving dynamics than what you're going to get on many of the comparable vehicles in this class. But it's not, you know, I guess, you know, looking at, I'm looking at the pricing, you know, the limited, you know, which has, uh, which is also has the, it has the 365 horsepower version of the V6, uh, you know, is avail- It starts at 48,000 and you can also get that one with the, uh, with the hybrid and then you know the ST starts at 55 and you know the ST you know you go from a chrome grill and and chrome trim to to blacked out trim and and grill um you know so it does have a little more aggressive look to it but it's just you know it's just not that much more so it just doesn't seem to to me you know if i was if i was buying an explorer you know i would go with with a limited rather than the the ST
2: well yeah and you're never going to feel that even the the what is it? 35 horsepower difference. Yeah. Eh. (laughs) you know, like driving back to back, maybe you'll feel it, but eh, in practice, you're not, you're not going to notice that. That's, it's not that much.
3: You're not. So, um, but you know, from, from there, you know, I also had um, the the new escape for a week, which uh, was, I, I, I think, you know, I would actually go with if I was if I was in the market, you know, I would probably actually go with the Escape because I don't need a vehicle as big as the Explorer. Now, obviously, some people you know need a three row SUV, um, you know, but the, the Escape, I think, is actually, you know, is more my style. You know, I, I like that smaller size. It's more nimble feeling. It's certainly a lot lighter than the Explorer. Now, you know, the one I had was the um, was a Platinum um you know or sorry a titanium yeah and you know it was pretty much loaded uh had a really nice uh, color on it It was what they call dark persian green it's it's really kind of a dark bluish green uh color to it which is a really cool looking color um and it had the two liter uh eco boost which uh you know in in the my time with it I averaged about 27 and a half miles per gallon which is much better. Yeah, that's a little better. <laughs> yeah. you know, and this is this is also all-wheel drive. Uh, and you know, it had auto stop start which uh, the Explorer also had. Um, but you know, I think the the thing about the um, the escape you know is compared to uh you know it, it always comes down now to for me to comparing you know everything else against comparable Mazda. And <laughs> when I compare when I compare the Escape to the CX-5, you know, we've complained in the past about the pricing on the CX-5. This Escape was $39,775 and while the interior is way better than the last generation Escape, you know, it's just it's not as good as the Mazda. You know, you, there are hard plastic surfaces that are within reach. You know, it's it's nicer Um, than before it's certainly much better laid out than before Um, you know one of the things i do like about the new escape is they did lower the belt line the visibility out of this thing is much better than than the previous generation Um, i think the driving dynamics overall are a lot better Um, but you know it's if you're going to go with the titanium it's going to be pricey just like the explorer is pricey i mean you can certainly get you know an escape for a lot less money You you know get the Get them starting in the mid twenties, uh, but uh, if you want the high end escape, it's going to cost you.
4: Well, I think we can all agree too that Mazda has done a fantastic job on their interiors, and I think it's one of the places that that GM and Ford continue to struggle with. Is just you know some of the interiors just are not are not as good as the competition.
3: Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. I I totally agree. I
2: liked driving the Escape, um, and I think it looks really nice uh, on on the exterior, in particular. You know, and and it it feels like the focus that it's based on, so it drives pretty well. Um, And I I get what you're saying. Like if you're in the market, you'd buy the Escape, but I think if if you're in in the Ford market, that's what you would buy. But if you're in the market for that class of vehicle, you know yeah i i think that there's as good as the escape is man the competition is right there with them and the you know even the rav4 is really really good in that class uh it no absolutely and, and
4: the, yeah the hybrid i love the uh i love the hybrid version of but again we're talking about competition there's so much competition yeah. in that space yeah
2: and it's but it's expensive too like that's the problem i'm having with all the the recent Fours is that they're they're just yeah they're pricey
3: yeah, no, you're yeah. absolutely right. And, you know, while Ford is, you know, certainly had uh, launch challenges with the Explorer, you know, with just trying to get them out of the factory, you know, in a condition that is acceptable for delivery to customers. Um, you know, I suspect that the pricing is has also been a challenge for a lot of customers. You know, it's they're they're starting to get, you know, kind
2: of unaffordable.
3: Um, and that's
2: not good. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, for sixty grand, you could drive what I drove. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, Which was before, before we get uh, into that. I, little-
3: I just want to touch on one more one more car that I had uh, since we last talked oh, about that's it right. we were driving, and uh, just briefly, and that's the uh, the Mazda three. Uh, but I had a Mazda three with the six speed manual transmission. Oh, how was it? Was it
2: everything oh. is, everything oh. we hoped it, was, it would be? Fun. It was
3: excellent. It was absolutely uh. outstanding. You know, I, I love the Mazda three. I love everything about the Mazda three except the visibility out of it, <laughs> which you know it's the op- They've gone the opposite way that Ford did with the Escape, which you know higher belt line. You know the hatchback. You know it is definitely harder to see out of. Oh, uh, the
2: hatch has those like yeah, it has those like nineties yeah. Alpha pillars.
4: That's <laughs> a I mean, serious. Yeah, I had the same issue with the Mazda three. It was the sedan. But looking out of the front windscreen, that was the one that I had really severe glare from the sun. Oh, like yeah. it, w- it was like the reflection. Really bad. Right. It just was I don't know. It was just the angle of the and it was something that I tried a couple of times. And it it was every day it was like that. You know, I don't know. It was, just, it was very, very it was it was distressing because I felt like I didn't have good visibility. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that.
3: Yeah. And it may have had something to do with our relative seating positions. I don't know. Sure. Um, For sure. But, uh, you know, I and I I think the weather when I drove the the Mazda, uh, I think, was more overcast. And so maybe maybe it was uh, I didn't just didn't notice it as much. Uh, But I I didn't notice that I didn't have that problem when I drove the the all wheel drive uh, Mazda three a few months ago.
4: I bring it up just because the general issue of visibility, whether it's out the front or the back is, and as you say, those belt lines, like the Ford escape, the belt line has been lowered for better visibility. And so it's just something that, you know, I think it's something that we've been, we've talked about a few times now.
3: Yeah. It's certainly something I'd like to see manufacturers address more, you know, start moving back in that direction of lower belt lines. Um, But uh you know, aside from that, you know the the manual transmission in the Mazda three was was just a joy to use. You know, it was it was a lot of fun to drive, and with that 185 horsepower 2.5 liter that's in there, it's got plenty of performance. You know, it's it's a fun fun car.
4: I
2: I mean, I, I, what else can we say?
4: <laughs> now, that's awesome. I saw somebody driving a manual. It was a a old older BMW Z three this morning. It's like you go, girl. It was awesome. <laughs> well, the,
3: the, the nice the nice thing as well is that Mazda is not restricting the manual transmission to just the entry level models. I mean, you can you can actually get it in in higher trim levels than the Mazda three, uh, sure. And you know, I mean, this one was pretty well kitted out. Um, you know, it had leather interior and everything. And it was it was just a great place to spend time.
2: That I mean, that sounds like the class of the. Uh... There's the segment that you, A, you can get it with a manual because I don't think that everything else in that segment, especially not in a higher trim level, you can get with a manual. Um,
3: no, absolutely. It's one of the one of the few that you still can get with a manual.
2: And, yeah, I mean, the Golf is going to go away except for the GTI. So that's going to be one less choice. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you, Mazda. <laughs> yes. Now we just have to keep buying them. Uh, that's I think that's right. that's the challenge. We love them, but we don't actually buy them. <laughs> so what were you driving down I, I had so for sixty thousand dollars i had the jeep uh gladiator rubicon oh. um which is uh that's a big truck price for a mid truck uh and i was i was really charmed by it in some ways uh you know it, because it is all that it's cracked up to be it's all that um, we anticipated it would be. I think uh, FCA made the absolute right call to make it a crew cab, so there's it's a four-door. Uh, certainly, the, the Wrangler Unlimited outsells the good old two-door Wrangler by a lot. Um, and they knew, smartly, that... Uh, I mean, you can just look at the Ram side of the business and see that pickup trucks are doing the same thing. Everybody's buying the crew cab pickups. And so uh, they added... I think 31 inches <laughs> to the frame and uh, stretched the wheelbase by 19, 19 and a half inches, something like that. So it's long, <laughs> but it, it doesn't drive quite as and you, You've both driven this. Uh, it doesn't drive as long as it is. So that was, that was a, a pleasant surprise. And that longer wheelbase sort of settles it down on the highway, uh, which is completely not its element. Um, and it, you know, as of Rubicon, it has a little bit of wander on the highway. It doesn't doesn't really want to go over seventy miles an hour, which is fine because it eats fuel when you do that. And you know, those big tires, they it, It's not like there's any slack in the steering and stuff. They're just squishy, you know. So you gotta gotta keep a little little hand on the wheel uh, on the highway. But um, in broken pavement or you know off-road it's really you know it's jeep it's in its element um the the breakover and uh the yeah i think the breakover angle is really the only one that suffers to approach and departure i don't think are, are much different so if you're actually off-roading it it's, it's really capable um it, it's a little longer and it, it can't go over you know quite as much as the shorter one so you probably get stuck when you get too brave but uh i was also impressed by how refined it is you know the jl is a very it's they've they've taken the wrangler and they've made it about as refined as you possibly can uh it's it's smooth it's really well behaved it um it's actually pretty quiet i think and i think it was you rebecca that said that you were impressed with how yes. quiet the last jeep was so
4: i it's crazy
2: yeah, uh, you know, certainly. Again, on the highway, the Rubicon with the tires, yeah, it makes a little noise, and there's some wind noise, but there's really not as much wind rush around that flat windshield as you would ex- yeah you would expect. Like. You'd
4: expect, yeah, because I, ha- I had the wait, wait, take roof. the doors off. Oh yeah, well yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jeeps like and the 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 Gladiator in particular, like you get all the t- it just looks like this weird kind of lobster. When, when you have all that stuff off of it, it's just this weird exoskeleton. It's, it's strange. Um, but yeah, this had the hard top, so it was a little, little, it was quiet and it was a good place to spend time. And it was really charming where it had a spray and bed liner and uh, a, I think it had a cargo management system, you know, the rails. I don't know if that's standard or if that was an option, um, but I, I really loved the way I could just reach over the side and get stuff in and out of the bed. Like you know, trucks used to be <laughs> <laughs> instead of like the size of the first floor of my house, where I need to you know stand on the tire and yank myself up in into the bed uh, to get stuff. Uh, so it's nice that it's that tidy size, and it's a little narrower than than some of the uh, the other trucks in the market. So or at least it feels narrower. So it's it's cozy, uh, and you look out over the the hood and fenders like you do with an older older trucks. It has all that charm. And I think that's why it was, was charming. Um, you know, this Easter eggs all over the design so you can get your surprise and delight going. Um, it's just, it's, it's very expensive as a Rubicon. I think it starts at like 33 for the sort of base model or the S or something like that. And that's really, like it's got all those charms still. In, in that trim and it's like 33k is not cheap so it's still expensive uh and i know that there's there's up to i think like up to nine thousand dollars on the hood of these now because apparently they're not selling like they had thought they would so that that's a surprise uh because i think they've really done they've done everything right it's very clever it's very um it's very thoughtful it's the most thoughtful mid size truck i i think there is you know uh because of what it is, but it's, it's useful. And the most expensive. Yeah. Um, uh, that's true. It is the most expensive. Uh, I, and I, I certainly found that it was pricey. Uh, I got decent fuel economy with it. So I was impressed with that. The, uh, the eight speed transmission, or I think it's an eight speed. Yeah. Um, like the powertrain's really well behaved and it, it did. I, I posted to the Twitter account. It sounds like a theremin in reverse, which I was (laughs) amused by. Um, yeah, I, I I can't say that I would suggest it for like a hardcore like if you need a truck, it, it's just a lot of outlay for a work vehicle. But uh, you know, it has its has its charms. Um, but Jeep has become this this premium thing. Like it, back in the day, when the the like the original namesake Gladiator, they were different. They were work vehicles. Uh, And they were primitive. And this is about as far from primitive as you're going to get. It's maybe sort of like a primitive layout, but it it doesn't drive primitive. It drives really, really pretty well refined. So,
4: Well, I think what we had talked about before when I had the four-door Wrangler was just that a vehicle that is so unbelievably capable off-road can be so well-behaved on-road.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. You know, I was, um, I was, I was pretty impressed by it and, and sort of just, it's, it's, um, I, I guess we'll use the term, uh, because it's misapplied everywhere else, but the bandwidth, <laughs> it, it, just, it can, it can do a lot and it, it, it does. It. It's got a lot of dynamic range. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. It it does. It does a lot well. Um, and you, you pay for it, but, uh, you know, that's okay. Um, I, that's, that's sort of the Jeep theme. If
4: you well, want. I think, you know what, I think you do pay for it, but I think before, I think in the past, he, it was, it was really going to be tough to have a Jeep Wrangler as a daily driver. It just wasn't comfortable enough for that. And I think this is the first one that, you know, it, legitimately it's a daily driver. I mean, my brother has the JK and that's pretty comfortable, but I wouldn't necessarily want to drive it around all the time. I think that with this one, I do. Like I didn't want that thing to go away. I I, I would I would have kept it. <laughs>
2: I was okay waving goodbye to it. You know, the Rubicon is a little high. It's just it, you know. Yeah,
4: I know, that's true. And you had the Glad, right? You had the Gladiator. Yeah. Yeah. So so the Wrangler itself, just the four-door that I had. Um, it was fun to put that top down, you know, just so that the, the one touch. A cloth top. I yeah. mean, that was great. It was just, it's so versatile. Oh yeah. It
2: but, has, it has those charms, um, for sure. And then I just, by the end of the week, I, you know, and, and you know, I'm just, I'm apparently not a Wrangler person. You
4: are such a curmudgeon. No, I mean,
2: I like them. <laughs> I, I like them, but it's, you know, I always feel like I'm, I always feel like I'm giving them sort of uh short shrift because I don't, I don't get a chance to get them off road. And no, I know like that's where they should. so it. I always say like oh uh, I, they they get tiresome because what I wind up doing is daily driving commuting in them, and they like that's not what they're for. Although that's what people do the The people who do it are committed enough they they want to do it i you know, I'm old and commercially i want I want luxury, I want
4: quiet. I'm pretty sure you're the youngest one on this podcast, by I the way. Am. Just FYI, yeah, <laughs> he's he's old at heart. I am,
2: yeah, exactly. It was, Dan was born old. And I, heart. I was. The, the I'm growing soul. into my. I'm I'm <laughs> growing into my personality. Uh, it's, <laughs> um. So yeah, it's, a, it's a, But the the gladiator. You know, we waited for so long for this, and uh, I think they made absolutely the right call. To make it um, a four door, I think that they did a ton of work, and it really it could not have been executed any better. So good good for them. Um, it's it's really charming, and I think they they nailed what the buyer is going to want. Um,
3: you know what? One thing that's curious is that you know last week in Chicago they unveiled the Gladiator Mojave, you know, which is the first Jeep. Uh, you know they, they've had you know trail rated uh, badges for Jeeps before you know for the ones with the the true off-road capability you know with the four-wheel drive low range and locking rear diffs things like that but the gladiator is the first one that's designed for high-speed off-road driving um and uh you know i I think they're going to be bringing that mojave badge and the desert rated badge to other jeeps particularly the wrangler at least i was i thought it was curious that they decided to do it on the Gladiator first before the Wrangler.
2: Well, I think it brings it in line with um you know the Raptor. It makes it compete yeah. with the, with the Raptor and it, the, there's there's not really I mean a Ranger Raptor is not really
4: whatever. Well, and and globally overseas there's really some fantastic fun Toyota pickup trucks that people use in the desert. And so Yeah, the
2: Toyota Hilux.
4: And- yeah, exactly. So it could compete nicely with with those kinds of things. Yeah. On
2: a global basis. Yeah. So I, I again, I think it's a, it's a smart move, but I, you know, the Jeep party can't go on forever either. So I, I, I'm really curious to see that it's not selling as briskly as they thought it would, um, because there was such pent up demand, uh, or there was such apparent pent up demand, but maybe they've, maybe they finally hit the end of the road with that. I I don't know, Is it, but you know on the flip side of that they brought a uh honda civic sport touring and so sam you've you've talked really uh kindly about the honda civic sport and how it it really is a, a good handling gti alternative and um you know we've talked about the looks which are not everybody's cup of tea but uh wow it really and, and in touring so Touring is the sort of like luxurious trim, uh, but sport touring, like it really does compete pretty dead on with the GTI. It's a different thing. Uh, It's not quite as powerful as a GTI. It's only 180 horsepower. Uh, But it goes down the road really solid, and it handles really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really impressed with it. You could hustle the crap out of it, and it just wanted more, uh, which... You Know so to the point where I'm, when I'm questioning my judgment and the car is like, Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> um, that's that's good. That's, that's that is a good, good. chassis.
4: Um, I think that's the one that I got. I almost got my speeding ticket. In.
2: Yeah, probably. Uh, it's yeah. got the center exit exhaust, and yeah. um, yeah, it, it so it's not quite as it's not as upright as the GTI, so the hatch area is not as useful, uh, but it's still not you know it's not not a coupe you know so it's it's a it's a big car
3: it's got it's got plenty of space back there though i mean you're right you know the 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 slope of the rear hatch you know because it's kind of uh notched in the middle you know so there's a vertical part and then a a sloping part there you still have 25 cubic feet of cargo space behind the rear seats with the rear seats folded up
2: with really Um, with the seats up
3: like in yeah, use. with C-stop, there's 20, 25 cubic feet, you know, because it's a pretty deep well yeah. in there. And so there's actually a surprising amount of
2: space back wow, there. Wow, that's bigger than you it know. looks.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, when when we got rid of the Jetta wagon and replaced it with the, the Civic, you know, I, you know, I went and I checked the measurements, you know, and it was actually pretty much as much space in this thing as there was in the Jetta wagon.
2: Wow. Just you yeah. know, not with the roofline, right? But just sort of less right. less the square. that That's impressive. That's good. Uh, yeah. It it's it's as a driver's car, I I liked it quite a bit. Um, I still hate their infotainment. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fair enough. It's like pokey, slow. Like it makes you wait for stuff, and I don't think that's acceptable at all. Like especially when they've got functions like the climate. You got to hit the climate button, and then it brings it up in the screen and like again there's a lag like it makes you wait like no that's bullshit that should come right up uh and so i yeah honda they're getting better but
3: there's knobs there to just twist you know to change the uh temperature um
2: yeah but the fan now the fan might have been on a rocker i forget i forget exactly what it's been a couple of days but uh there were some, especially the air direction and stuff like it just, it made you wait. And there were other things like just uh, jumping. When you start it up, it takes a little while to, to get through its stuff. It's not responsive right away. It almost like it has to boot up for a minute or two. Uh, so yeah, I, the, the Honda's getting better, but they're still just, they're not quite there with infotainment. Their
4: infotainment systems in, in Honda and Acura are just the worst
2: the audio systems, the part of it is, is usually pretty good, especially. In oh, sure. But the, right. And
4: especially, yeah. But the, the, um, uh, interface
1: is oh, just yeah brutal.
2: Yeah. It's brutal. So get to it guys. Cause the rest of the car is pretty brilliant. It, it really, exactly. um, and, and, you know, the steering was a little dead too, but you know, it was w- weighted well and stuff. I just wanted more feedback. Um, but yeah, really, really good car. And it makes me in my imaginary Purchase decision. Uh, it it's hard to pick now between that and the GTI. The GTI, like you said, is more powerful, um, but the the Honda felt really really good to drive. Uh, and you could daily it again, so it has that charm like the GTI. Like it it can it can be your all purpose car and still be fun. Yeah, I mean when
3: when we bought ours, you know, we we took a look at the Sport. In fact, I had uh, I had a Sport uh, press card, the the base level Sport. Um, just uh, about a, two months before we got ours. and the the thing with the sport, the reason why we didn't go with the sport uh, or the sport touring, you know, because you have the sport, which is based on the base um, LX Civic, you know, but with um, the you know slightly more power, uh, and it has the the base audio system. It doesn't have the touchscreen audio system. Um, and it didn't you know it doesn't it's missing some of the options. Uh, and then you have the sport touring, which is the high end version that has the leather seats and everything. Both of them are on 18 inch wheels and frankly we didn't want to we didn't want one with 18 inch wheels we We went with an EX, which is the mid level trim because it's still on 17 inch wheels because we wanted that little bit of extra sidewall height, which you know given you know the nature of potholes around here, um, you know I'll take all the sidewall we can get you know for most daily driving.
2: Yeah, I can I can see that. This didn't feel harsh or
3: bad. Yeah, no, it's it's fine in that respect. It's just you know when you when you hit those potholes or those big frost heaves, you know you don't have a whole lot of rubber to work with there to protect those wheels. Yeah,
2: yeah, that got me earlier this winter. Did I tell you about the G seventy? Hit a pothole with the G seventy. Oh no, you didn't mention that. Twenty six hundred dollars worth of damage to the G seventy. Oh, cracked the wheel. Uh, did something to one of the control arms. Yeah, yeah. Oh, took it took it out of service for the next guy. Screwed the next guy who was supposed to get it, which yeah, I I'm trying didn't.
4: to remember if I didn't get that car. I, I, I didn't mean to.
2: It was at, at night. I do. I remember hitting just a like when they make the dash shake. Like that's a good yeah. pothole. And then like I got yeah. to work the next day, and it was it was swap day. So wow. they, like they were coming to swap the car, and I, I'm looking it over, and I see the crack in the wheel and i'm just like "Ooh, i should tell them about that like there's a piece missing <laughs> Ooh, that's that's never a good yeah. thing and so i was like yeah you guys should uh get that looked at you'll make it back take it easy there's no tpms light or anything it didn't spring an air leak but yeah so um i feel you on the wanting the sidewall <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i yeah i like having rubber between the wheels and the road it it helps yeah, I
3: mean, you know, depending on where you live you know may not it may be less of an issue to you know i mean if you live in northern climes you may want to forego the the sport and go for one of the other trims
2: yeah i, I think overall every every civic is going to feel pretty good to drive um oh yeah absolutely so uh yeah that, that's my my glowing report and from there we burned an hour on cars so we should probably talk about yeah. like new stuff um okay so well oh go ahead
4: well, I just I want to mention as we jump into news, uh, because just by coincidence has just popped up on my feed. The Honda Odyssey is being recalled. <laughs>
3: <laughs> those, those are I saw that earlier. Those, those, that's a newer one. So, yeah, it's, like it's a newer one, but
4: it's a 2018 to 2020 model years. Uh, but if you have one, uh, particularly the EXL touring and elite minivans, they are under recall. What, so what are they under recall for? Uh, a fire hazard, electrical fire, fire hazard. Yeah, the wire harness for the third row accessory power outlet can get pinched between the unibody and rear trim panel, Nitsa says. Yeah,
2: that's that's probably important. You know what, though? If it burns to the ground, it gives you an opportunity to get a new car.
4: Well, there's been three <laughs> fires um, and no reported injuries. Yeah,
2: No, that, that's actually car fires are no joke. Uh, they, yes, they go very really quick.
4: So. so start looking uh March 16th is when the mail is when the, the notice will go out by mail because that's efficient
2: because it's required. <laughs> um, so you, you can't, you can't
3: assume that everyone has email.
4: I know. I know. I know. I understand that it's required, yeah,
3: but it's no, just, but uh, like
2: with the recall, what happens is they send the thing out and like, there are people who are just never going to take any action. And they're just, no matter how many notices they get in the mail, like it goes in the little file. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's under recall, and then they'll take it to the dealer, and the dealer will say, it's under recall, but we don't have the parts. So that always helps too.
3: <laughs> well, you uh, know, what, you and- know, what's most fun is when you keep getting recall notices for a car that you
2: don't own. it uh, <laughs> that's yes. when they bought somebody's mailing list. Oh <laughs> they my haven't gosh. Updated it. Yeah, yes. yeah.
3: Well, no, it's 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 not that. It's you know, th- for recalls, they actually get the information from.
2: Uh, from the DMV's um,
3: from the, yeah. the DMB's uh you know so they get your your address and everything but the problem is um you know the the car in question uh was uh the car I bought from my younger kid who had moved to Oregon with the car and you know I had transferred ownership uh to her and she you know that car has now been retired completely it's uh you know it was traded in on on something else and the state of Michigan just ha- it still has it in their records and i'm in no particular mood to go down to the secretary of state's office and try to deal with it
2: <laughs> can't imagine like, I'll why just,
3: i'll just toss the, the the recall cards in the in the recycling i
2: think the secretary of state probably has better things to do anyway than help yeah. you help you help your situation help you not get postcards <laughs>
4: yeah. no but recall recalls are serious uh, tesla actually also has a recall on the model X crossovers for a power steering issue. And I don't yep. mean to be a, a recall expert here, but i I'm Ford has a recall as well. They're just all popping oh, up. The Ford up was like, a right many, now. there's
2: a couple hundred thousand <laughs> well, um, explorers or something, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the
3: thing with recalls, you know, when you get a recall notice, you know, uh, that's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's always for a safety issue. So, you know, please, you know, make an appointment to get your car into the dealer as soon as possible and have it addressed before it, you know, before it becomes a problem for you because, you know, you don't want to uh, be the victim of something going wrong like that. And the, the thing about recalls is it doesn't cost you anything except whatever time it takes you, you know, out of your day to get hey, the car You the can dealer. go sit
2: in the brand new cars in the dealership. You can drink their free yeah. coffee and take you know yeah. a whole pile full of brochures home if they still do that's what i used to do i used to get the brochures when the car going for service i had i had a nice collection this <laughs> i remember sitting in the I just take my laptop and yeah. sit in the waiting room that's and, right they've got wi-fi work. yeah yeah all right
4: but you're right. right okay sorry i didn't mean to do you realize that's, from other that's, news that's items. fine get your, get your stuff fixed. funny
2: <laughs> jeez don't be a hazard on the road Nicola Badger is super interesting, except for it's another EV pickup, which we're, uh, I think we've had about our fill of these things, um, but it's a, it's a hybrid, but it's a, it's a different kind of hybrid pickup, which I, you, you said it's not new. Uh,
3: it's not, a, not an, not a new concept. Right. No, it, you know, it's, it's actually, it's all electric and it is also a hybrid uh, because uh, it uses a combination of a battery and a hydrogen fuel cell. And, you know, for those that don't recall, Nikola, they're, they're a startup that is developing uh, fuel cell uh, tractor trailers, you know, long, long haul uh, class eight uh, trucks. Um, and, you know, they're, they're powered by hydrogen fuel cells. So what they've done is they're taking their fuel cell technology and combining it with a battery in a, a full size pickup truck and using the fuel cell as a range extender. So you get about 300 miles of range from the battery and then about another 300 miles or so from the hydrogen, um, you know, being converted into electricity in the fuel cell. And, you know, this is not an entirely new concept. Uh, in fact, I first drove a vehicle that had a very similar type of uh, setup back in uh, February of 2007. Um, Ford uh, had prototype uh, Edge with, that they called the Edge High Series. Uh in fact, the month before that at the Detroit Auto Show, they showed a concept called the airstream uh which was a minivan concept that um at least on the spec sheet you know as as concepts go because concepts never actually match what they claim um but you know it it had this it was supposed to have had the same um plug in hybrid fuel cell uh powertrain but they what they ended up doing was actually putting that into the edge and the plan was they were actually going to build a fleet of about a hundred of these for testing. Um, but by early 2008, you know, as things were starting to go downhill, uh, in the economy, um, Ford decided to abandon that project. But I had, I did, when I was writing for autoblog, I actually did have an opportunity to drive the the one prototype they had. Actually it was, it was, it was they had a couple of prototypes. I drove one of them, uh, went over to visit, uh, one of their engineering facilities in Dearborn. And, you know, it actually works pretty well because what the the cool thing about it, you know, is using the fuel cell as a range extender that way. Um, Fuel cells, like a lot of other propulsion systems, are a lot more efficient when they operate in a steady state mode instead of transient mode. So if if you just have a pure um, fuel cell vehicle, you know, the fuel cell has to crank out more or less power to, you know, just like an engine, you know, depending on how hard you get on the accelerator pedal. You know, if you can have the fuel cell, if you can have your main power coming from the battery and have the fuel cell operating at, in a steady state mode, just recharging the battery all the time, then it can be much more efficient. And um, you can, you know, you still, you still have uh, completely zero emissions, but, you know, you, you're also fully electric uh, and you can have more range. So you can have a smaller
2: battery and a smaller fuel cell. I like the idea. Um, I th- uh, actually was scratching my head about it, trying to figure out why it doesn't it hasn't had more applications, because the, that's the issue right with with an EV is the range and the recharging. Um, the problem you're going to run into here is a, I guess, how fast it, the fuel cell can put energy back into the battery, and then B, uh, where the hell are you going to refuel it?) <laughs>
3: <laughs> well the the first part is not really a problem so much i mean you can you know you can size the fuel cell you know for whatever output you need you know so you can you can definitely keep up uh with the battery the the char- the refueling the hydrogen refueling is the real issue yeah you know, there's about 40 hydrogen stations in california now um and that's you know that's about the only place we're going to find any hydrogen stations i think there's a few uh, opening up in the northeast uh sometime this year um but you know right now you're basic basically stuck in california
2: yeah and that i that that's so that's the issue like they're gonna make this thing work it already works um are they just far enough behind the eight ball though that they're you know charging infrastructure is going to going to be built out of their building charging infrastructure. Nobody's talking about hydrogen infrastructure, except for maybe LIND or air gas, which I think there's. Yeah, I mean,
3: There's, there's a few other companies and, you know, Toyota and Honda and Hyundai, you know, have actually made some investments, you know, in uh, companies like, uh, oh, what's, I forget the name of the company now. Um, the first energy, I think in, in California that operates a lot of the hydrogen stations there. It's, you know, I think, you know, where we're actually going to start seeing more of it, where, where hydrogen fuel cells are actually are more likely to have applications, uh, early on in the coming years is in some of these trucking applications, you know, where you've got, um, vehicles, you know, Toyota, for example, is testing, uh, some tractor trailers at the port of long beach powered by fuel cells. Um, and they're currently building up a, a new fleet of next generation uh, ones with Kenworth. I think building ten of those, um, you know, and you know those are trucks that you know return to base every night. You know, so they only need they, they only need one hydrogen filling station to support that fleet. You know, and then for the the Nikola trucks, um, what they're doing is they're building out a, a network of hydrogen fueling stations. Across a lot of a bunch of the major interstates across the U.S., you know, for transcontinental trips, and they're actually going to be generating the hydrogen on site um, from electrolysis and using uh, solar or wind power to generate the hydrogen on site at those stations. Wow, that sentence ended.
2: That sentence ended so much better than I thought it was going to. (laughs) I thought it was going to be thinking that they're going to end. They're going to uh, you know generate the hydrogen from natural gas. Which...
3: No, no. I mean, that's, that's where most hydrogen comes from right now, but they're moving away from that towards uh, what they call green hydrogen. So generating it from, from water um, with uh, renewable electricity. Good
2: for them. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. And,
3: and for, you know, for bigger, heavier vehicles, you know, hydrogen fuel cell, fuel cell systems actually make more sense. You know, it's to get comparable amount of range and performance. It's it's a, it ends up being a lot lighter than for the batteries that you need for the same kind of performance and, and capability.
4: Um, and also re- refueling.
3: Uh, is, Yeah, that
4: is significantly that, shorter yeah. as well.
3: Yeah, you can I mean, you can refuel a, a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle in about the same amount of time it takes to fill a gas tank. Whereas, you know, refilling, you know, charging up the batteries in a truck. Um, you know, I mean, Tesla, you know, for their semi has claimed that you'll be able to charge it to 80% in in 30 minutes, you know, for their, uh, for their semi. But, you know, that's going to take uh, like a one megawatt charger. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so it's, that's going to require some pretty heavy duty cooling, some pretty big cables. It's going to brown
2: and, out the grid. <laughs> yeah. Minor details. <laughs> Whatever. One megawatt. Um, yeah. Is this company speaking of Tesla though, like is, is Nikola more serious, less vaporware than the, because t- I don't take the Tesla truck seriously at all. I think it's just nonsense. Yeah.
3: I, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know about, you know, the, the badger we'll, we'll see, you know, if they can actually get that to market, you know, their trucks, you know, their heavy duty trucks. I think, you know, those are definitely serious. You know, they've got some pretty, some pretty serious investment. Uh, you know, they've got a partnership, especially with Bosch. Um, you know, they're developing all the electric propulsion stuff. Um, and you know, they're, uh, you know, they're working on getting those trucks into the marketplace and they've gotten a lot of orders for them from a bunch of big companies, you know, big fleet operators. So I think that they've got a pretty, pretty decent chance of, you know, these getting to market and having some degree of success, um, on their heavy duty trucks. Yeah. And we'll see what happens with the,
2: pickup. well, and they, they say they're partnering with an OEM for the, the pickup. they won't say who, but they're, they, yeah. they say that.
3: There, there there was a report yesterday on insideevs.com that it might be fca um you know so we'll see
2: that'd be good for fca and the thing the thing looks
3: really
4: cool it does the nikola yeah, badger I, and yeah. i just love the fact that they use nikola as the first right game, Yeah, the tesla thing that's hilarious uh, it's, uh, um, and it's the
2: badger well, i mean the honey badger doesn't give me well,
4: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no it looks really cool though i mean it looks like the kind of truck that it's supposed to look like. I don't know if it has shatterproof uh windshield yeah, your windows I or think not. That, and my well,
3: neither does the Tesla yeah. well, truck, My so.
4: little fingers are going with the you, just, you need the um you need the vanity quotes. plates that say Hindenburg. <laughs>
0: <That's>
4: not- <laughs> um, but no, it looks cool though. Yeah, for sure. Uh
2: is is there uh, what are the combustion byproducts of, of hydrogen? It's just is it Water, just water? water, not, not CO2. Yeah. Nope. Okay. No.
4: Is it's it, not combustion. There, yeah. It's your, okay. Oh, sorry. It,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, t- it's it, oxidation. Uh, fuel cell. yeah, it's, it's just an oxidation reaction, you know, so you're putting in oxygen and hydrogen and you get water vapor out.
2: Okay. All right. I'm just trying to poke holes in it, just to be like, where yeah. where could this fall down? I'm sorry, I will, I'll stop being a infrastructure. journalist. Infrastructure, yeah,
3: infrastructure yeah, well, is the even the, like, the infrastructure and, and doesn't the seem like
2: cells. the infrastructure doesn't seem like the the more difficult one. Like with EVs, the infrastructure is kind of the harder part. Um, the fuel cell here is the harder part, just because, and it's not because the technology isn't mature. It's actually quite mature. It's um, the cost of it, like you said, and then just you know, the che- the cheaper the membrane, at, the, the cheaper the, the fuel cell.
3: At, and, you know, they're making a lot of progress on, you know, the cost of the fuel cell stack itself. Um, you know, that, that has come down substantially and, you know, it's, it's continuing to come down with each new generation of these things. You know, <clears throat> they're working out the manufacturing processes, so they don't require as much of the cat, as much of the catalyst material, the platinum and, and palladium in there is that they use for catalysts. Um, and, 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 designing the the fuel cell stacks for mass production instead of you know for one off builds.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's platinum and palladium. I right, cuz that those don't get cut out of cars at parked places. Like that's great. So you can it be like a rash oh. of fuel cell thefts.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it'll be a little more challenging to pull this fuel cell stack out than to pull out a
2: catalytic. I never inverter. stopped anyone with a saw so- wave no, no. It's funny. It's just Yeah. Um I didn't realize it was the same catalyst material, but that's interesting. Yeah. So let's stay with new stuff. Uh, you went to the uh, Ferecia w- Innovation Day?
3: Ferecia, for, for C- for f- Ferecia, yeah, something like that.
4: Ferocia, um, throw that in. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, You went to Innovation um, Day. <laughs> yeah, they, they had an Innovation Day. And, and actually, one, one of the things that, uh, that they're working on is also fuel cell systems, um, both uh, the hydrogen storage tanks and, uh, and their own fuel cell stack design. Uh, But uh, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, But what, uh, you know, they they did show a couple of interesting things. One was was their e-Mirror system, um, which is in production now uh, in Japan on the Lexus ES in the Japanese market. Can't get it here yet because it's not legal uh, here. But um, they showed some interesting little um, additions to that compared to what we've previously seen on the Audi e-tron, the European spec Audi e-tron. Um, you know, because you know you've got the side cameras <clears throat> on the you know, cameras mounted on the side of the vehicle, uh, and then projecting onto displays on the inside of the vehicle, usually somewhere around the base of the A pillar. Um, and one of one of one of the things they've done on here is they've done a little augmentation. So you know, when you're looking at the display and seeing the rear corner of your vehicle, it actually shows. Uh, you know, it's, it's projecting uh, a red line going around, you know, so you, you can actually see right on the road where the corner of your vehicle is. So as there's another, you know, when there's another vehicle coming up, you can actually see where, and, and it'll then and for other vehicles, it'll show uh, lines, project lines on there, overlay lines on the display of where the corner of that vehicle is. So you can actually see where it is on the road relative to your own vehicle. And when it's when it's a certain distance away, that'll be green. As it gets closer and closer, it transitions to orange. And when it's too close, um, then it goes to red. So when you you know, so this is uh, kind of their way of incorporating uh, blind spot monitoring uh, into this. And and they're actually uh, integrating not just the c- camera but also the rear corner radars that use for blind spot monitoring to help you know with that uh, proximity sensing. Uh, at the rear corners.
2: What are they doing about, um, did they talk at all about how it can be difficult for your eyes to actually sort of focus on a screen versus mirror glass?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So um, they they did talk about that. And, you know, one of the, one of the bigger challenges is, you know, especially flickering from led lights. Um, And so, you know, they've got um, higher resolution cameras, um, higher frame rate cameras, um, and they're doing some digital filtering in there to eliminate flickering. But also, um, you know, trying to um, make it uh, so that it seems more like a mirror, you know, trying to emulate the behavior of a mirror. It's not going to be exactly the same from a focusing standpoint, but um, they're, it's getting better.
2: Yeah. Oh, and I didn't think about the flicker. Man, that would drive me nuts to have an LED and LCD or LED because that's the thing. Your periphery is is more actually. I mean, if you you ever
3: if you ever point a video camera at you know at an LED light, you know, and look at the display, you'll see that flickering. Yeah, and it that would be very annoying. And so you know they've 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 addressed that with higher frame rates and and digital filtering in there to eliminate flickering. Um, so you know we'll. The uh, NHTSA right now, you know, has um, some um, some stuff up for comment. You know, they've they've opened up a comment period on things like uh, electronic mirrors and they're evaluating, you know, whether to make changes in the regulations here to allow those. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, that they they told us today was, you know, they they were testing uh, these e mirrors on an F-150 and uh, what was it said? they got uh 1.6% reduction in fuel economy with the e-mirrors relative mm-hmm. to the the standard mirrors on the F-150. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not insignificant, you know, <clears throat> you know, engineers, you know, to get, you know, one and a half percent improvement in fuel economy, you know, they, you know, to, um, you know, they go to pretty extensive lengths to get that kind of improvement.
4: For sure. Is that, because uh, it, the Audi e-tron that I drove back in December last year had very narrow, uh, had electronic or uh, different kinds of mirrors that are not allowed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Is it similar to those? The, yeah, it's the same 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 thing. The camera yeah, system. Yeah, those those took a little while to get used to for sure. But then after you know probably an hour of driving, it was just kind of like whatever. Um, but they were definitely a little. It, it was a little tricky. But you're you're right. It really helps on arrow and. Uh, and it would be great if the regulations were homogenous so that yeah. save money and yeah. get these kind of technologies you can either over either faster. Have, like,
2: things that are supposed to be regulated are going to be deregulated, and the regulations that we have are going to be completely nonsensical.
4: But, but yeah. at least if they do
2: allow it in the U.S., we're going to get another half a bajillion horsepower into the F-150. Well,
4: and, <laughs> and we can yeah. all agree that we're from the government and we're here to help, yeah. so there you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry i you know i'm I'm being really jaded and old today. I'm sorry um yeah, uh, uh what's this connected wellness business that they were talking about?
3: yeah, so this is another thing that they were showing um you know they had a couple of different interior bucks you know showing off some things that they're some interesting things they're doing with active noise cancellation, and you know they had one um you know they had an f one fifty setup you know with um uh, for you know an automated driving thing you know where you put it in automated mode the steering wheel pulls away from you but there you know they also had had it set up with uh center screen um that you know if the and they had cameras on the a pillars you know to look at the um the occupants you know look at the driver and the front passenger and you know based on you know the camera's evaluation of you know kind of how tall you are you know where where you're sitting you know, it could automatically adjust the seat, you know, to give you a comfortable seating position. I
4: want that. Nope. 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 I want that. Nope. 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 <laughs> Leave me
2: well, as, long as, alone, it. No, as long as you can tweak it, devil <laughs> machine. As long as you
4: can tweak it.
3: One of the other things, you know, they they had as long as you can it.
4: tweak it. <laughs> they, they
3: had an, they had an infotainment system that they developed. Um, you know, so the center screen is actually on a on a pivot, um, so that. If the pass if the front passenger wanted to watch a movie, the screen actually tilts away from the driver, so the driver can't really see it. And then the pa- the front passenger seat tilts inwards towards the screen, so you're looking head on at the screen. So you can watch a movie <laughs> without distracting the driver.
4: Okay, but it would have to be headphones only because if you put on a movie, well,
3: they, right? They had they had speakers um, in the headrests and in the speakers. Oh, okay, so that's seats. cool. And actually. Yeah. Actually, let me rephrase that. They actually didn't have speakers at all. All of the sound in this thing was generated by actuators on various, you know, mounted on various interior surfaces of the vehicle. It actually sounded shockingly, yeah, good uh, Considering you didn't have traditional, so speakers.
2: that's yeah, that's something I I forget where else I saw that, and it, it it's. Really clever because you don't have the typical packaging problem of a conventional speaker with the motor structure and a, you know, large magnet that you've got to package. Um, You're, you're creating, you know, you're resonating the panel with a, you know, a transducer. Um, So it's a little more compact. And then, you know, because the magic of DSP and stuff, you can, you can make it sound good now like we couldn't back in the day. Um, So so No, I mean, it just turns the whole panel into a speaker. Or, 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 you know, uh, it, it vibrates the panel and the sound radiates from it. So it's it's
4: well, cool. Yeah. So those kinds of like speakers, those like specific speakers. The first time I saw them was actually in Turin, Italy, at the, the National Museum of Cinema. And they have this huge open space and they've got they've got like loungers and everybody can watch their own movie in them. Even in right. this open space, and that's what they've done so here. Cool.
3: Yeah, and and you know, so we you know, they demonstrated that you know, so you basically get your own little personal bubble of sound around you, um, and you know, it doesn't you know, it doesn't really intrude on other people. So everybody in the vehicle can be watching something different or watching the same thing.
1: That's uh, so. Or cool. listening
3: to different things. Um, you know, and then taking that a step further, this connected wellness idea. They actually had uh, had a, had a buck with um, pressure transducers mounted in the footwell, and you could you know sit back in the seat, put your feet you know put your feet down, and then you know go have it um, do some exercises. You guide you through some exercises. It,
4: are, is there a foot massager in there? Because don't toy with me. <laughs> uh,
3: there's no, there was no foot massager in this one, but it did have a massaging seat. So at the end of your exercise session, it, the, the seat would be, you know, would go through a full massage, full body massage, which was really nice. Um, but uh, so, you know, you had these pressure transducers on the, on the floor, you know, and so it, it had me go through, you know, I press, you know, press down on it uh, with the balls of my feet you know, to see, you know, you could set, you know, how much pressure you wanted, you know, like how much of a workout you wanted. And then it would guide you through on the screen. Again, the screen that tilts towards you, you know, so, you know, it would tell you, you know, you would see, you know, left foot, right foot, press down, you know, release, you know, press your heels and so on. So you could do a bunch of different exercises. I mean, you know, it's kind of, kind of goofy, but you know, it's something that, you know, could be could be interesting, you know, for, uh, you know, for long road trips, Yeah,
2: well, you know, and it, it's easy to make fun of it in some ways. But I think the two, the two places where people probably spend the most time are their bed and their car. <laughs> Maybe Mm -hmm. they're desk at work, but really like they're like you spend an awful lot of hours in those two places. So some of this stuff is is goofy, like you said, but some of it may may surprisingly find an application. I don't know.
4: Well, and well, and and there's actually multiple applications, because also if you think about, you know, longer plane rides, for instance, or long haul plane rides. These are things that are actually really serious for like deep deep pain yeah. thrombosis, yeah, things like that. Yeah. And as as we drive, if we move towards autonomous vehicles, and we do have situations where we're driving for four, five, six hours and not actually actively driving, or even if you are driving, you can get, you know, you can get all sorts of bad things if you don't move around enough. So there actually are legitimate health reasons for these kinds of things. I just am a total sucker for a good foot massage. Well, all you got
2: to do fine. is put your feet up on that. on that, Well, the firewall is going to be vibrating with sound, right? So just yeah. put your feet up on it. Be, yeah. yeah. Exactly.
3: Like, just Put your feet up on the dash and turn up the, right. turn up the volume. Get yourself a subwoofer in
2: the footwell. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. Like that's, that's where innovation comes from is this uh, sort of forward thinking weird stuff. So yeah. J.D. Power released their dependability study and um, Genesis sort of swept all of the uh, old line players, uh, which was really interesting. Um, as they even they even beat um, sort of perennial favorite uh, Lexus.
4: Yeah, it's 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 really impressive. I mean, Lexus won for the last eight years and then Genesis, uh, Genesis, Lexus and Buick uh, for and then uh, Porsche, Toyota, Volkswagen, Lincoln. BMW, Chevy, and Ford. So, I mean, that's really, really that's the, pretty an, an impressive feat. That's the
2: only place you're going to find Buick in the top three.
4: <laughs> I like my little Coco. Don't make fun of her. Is... <laughs> She's very sensitive. <laughs> okay. But it says a lot, though. I mean, this is J.D. Power. They're well, very well-respected. This is, this is...
2: Um... This is
4: satisfaction, which studies these are problems reported. So, this is just initial quality reliability after three years of ownership. Oh, it's not,
2: so it's not initial quality, it's um dependability, like you like we said. Yeah, so okay,
4: right. And the bottom was Volvo, Jag, Chrysler, and Land Rover. Does
2: not surprise me at all.
4: (laughs) Tesla was not part of the study. Well, you know, I mean, the Volvo thing is disappointing. Jag and Land Rover, it's like, yeah, okay, there's jokes about that. <laughs> um, and and Chrysler. Chrysler's had, too, struggled for a while.
2: I know. Um, I know
4: they and, have. And, you know, like they our experience with the
2: Chrysler vehicle has been been great. I mean, the thing clicked off 130,000 miles without a, a problem. Uh, well, a, a couple of problems, but not like anything like major, like that would cause me to be like, oh, this is poor quality. It's just car stuff, wear items. Um, were they dinging the, like, so the, the cars that were at the bottom? Um, you know, one of the things is that's sort of been a little not great about the, they're not, not clear about the JD power uh, figures is um, the like infotainment systems that can be difficult to use are sort of lumped in as a quality problem um, when they're not really, they're, they're a design problem, but they're not, not exactly like a, you know, a, a quality it's, problem. Well, yeah. So
4: this, ahead, this is,
2: Rebecca.
4: it's, it's, It tracks problems per 100 vehicles during a 12-month period by owners of three-year-old vehicles. So it's subjective in some ways. So this is J.D. Power said these are 2017 models. They average 134 problems per 100 vehicles studied, a slight improvement over 2016.
3: And, you know, I I think, well, yes, you know, the infotainment stuff is often a design problem, you know, it's, it's still, it's a, it's a functional issue for the user of the vehicle. If they can't properly use the system or reliably use the system, you know, or, you know, if it's something that causes them to go back to the dealer, you know, trying to get, you know, something fixed, even, even if it can't necessarily be fixed, it's still a problem. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in the announcement, you know, they said that actually the, in vehicle technology was the area of greatest improvement this year. So there there is progress being made on that, but it's still an issue. You know, especially with uh, voice recognition, which should start to get significantly better now that they're going to connected uh, voice recognition systems with natural language processing. Um, Bluetooth is an issue, um, and nav systems. And you know, again, nav systems are another area that that should start to get a lot better. You know, and and that'll be reflected. You know, a couple of years from now, uh, based on the vehicles that are coming to market now. Um, but uh, they, you know, overall, you know, they, there's there's a lot of you know there's been a lot of improvement in a lot of areas. And you know, you mentioned that Tesla was not included, and the reason why, the way they JD Power does these surveys, they actually send out the surveys to vehicle owners, um, and they they get the data um from you know in part from the dmvs but they get they have to get permission from the uh, in some states they have to get permission uh from the manufacturer to share that data uh and you know in other states they don't but because tesla refuses to allow jd power access to any of the owner data uh, because they they simply don't want to participate my guess is because they know that their, their results are probably not going to be very good. They are the only manufacturer that does not participate. No,
2: Sam, it's because uh, they're going to take over the auto industry and show all these old car makers how to really do it. Yeah, whatever. That <laughs> sucks,
3: um, uh, Boy. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's why you won't find JD, uh, Tesla listed in any of the J.D. Power surveys because they, te- Tesla refuses to share that information.
2: I, it would be interesting to see what that, what that info was. Um, I mean, we, we can sort of extrapolate a little bit from anecdotes. Well, you
3: can, you can get some of it, you know, from looking at consumer reports true, surveys yeah. because, you know, they're not going through the manufacturer, you know, it's consumer reports subscribers you know, are, you know, filling out those surveys, you know, directly. So consumer reports is not getting information from a DMV or anybody, you know, it's just whoever's, you know, getting Consumer Reports magazine is getting those right. Surveys. That's
2: true. And if there's one thing that Tesla owners like to talk about, it's their cars. So yeah, um, I'm I'm glad that some participate in in that study because uh, it's it's really instructive. Right? It's interesting that the uh, the things that showed the greatest improvement but still cause a problem is the in-vehicle technology, and that's like the that's the stuff that has the shortest lifespan, right? The the stuff that just moves more quickly than uh anything else in in automotive tech, right? Like the 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 tech is sort of turning over every year and a half really there's sort of new new stuff out there and new improvements. And you know, car car models whatever, I mean a, a redesigned car you, it needs to last for what, eight years? You know, four years, mid cycle refresh, another four years. And then well, I mean the average
3: average yeah, age of cars and is, the is 12 years.
2: Is 12, yeah. so, um, that's just never going to get. It'll get better. I think it'll. It's probably going to be better well, next think, time around because uh, more cars are offering the the phone projection systems too, like CarPlay and Android Auto.
3: Well, that that and you know we're also you know starting now to roll out uh, over the air updates. Oh, to, right you know, Yeah. For vehicles, so you know when there are problems, manufacturers will be able to fix those a lot more easily. Yeah. At least if it's a software problem. Yeah. And, and, you know, grand manufacturers are also, you know, they've, they've recognized that this has been a problem, you know, and in part, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons why these systems have been a problem, you know, is the software, but also that they've put in underpowered hardware.
2: Yeah, you know, like I was they, complaining about the Civic system, like. <laughs> yeah,
3: they, well. they've traditionally gone with the, the cheapest processors that they could get away with. And you know they're starting to put in more powerful computers to to run these systems, and you know that'll give them more headroom to work with. And you know they they now have the ability to do software updates. So you know in the coming years, you know that you should see that problem get alleviated quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I have. I mean, I have to confess, um, I I sort of switched to an iPhone by protest, and uh, I got in a car. We swapped today, so I got in the car. And um Apple CarPlay didn't come up right away. And I was like, really? You mean I need to pair this thing <laughs> and use <laughs> use the system with Bluetooth? God, what is this? So last century. So it was really weird the um the speed uh at which you sort of acclimate to that. And um because it's sort of a standard interface across all cars, uh it becomes so familiar that it like that's what you want to wind up using. Not necessarily the in-car systems. I, I, that just, it, I, I, I blew myself away with having having assimilated. I did not didn't want to. It was it was in protest.
4: <laughs> Look at you, early adopting. You no, know, I just totally <laughs> late adopting.
2: Um, yeah, I, I was it was sort of uh, I was astounded at myself. I was like, oh, I, I guess it's had an effect on my brain. Um. Where it's, it's like i that's what i was looking for cuz i you know i wanted to listen to my podcast and it just it's easier to use the apple carplay interface than it is to dink around with whatever you know embedded system is in there um so that that was i i don't know it's just interesting that's all i'm i'm done now <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i think we're done too i think we have uh we've exhausted the podcast um audience attention span. Um, so we'll, we'll follow up next week with with one topic that we didn't, uh, we didn't cover and we didn't have any correspondence this week or have we bothered to check? Uh,
3: I, I, I just, I haven't checked because we had other stuff. Okay. To talk we didn't about. have any correspondence um, this so week. We'll, we'll, <laughs> catch, we'll catch up on it next week. Um, I did want to mention, um, you know, looking at uh, some of our analytics, you know, kind of what, what kind of devices uh, people are using to listen it seems that uh, most of you are listening on uh, iOS devices um, and most of you are using Apple podcasts or at least the, the largest chunk of you are using Apple podcasts or, or overcast followed by uh, pocket cast. So uh, you know, it would help us a lot, you know, if you, uh, if you haven't given us a, a rating in Apple podcasts to, you know, maybe go in and, and, you know, drop us a little five-star rating and, and a review is it uh, It'll hopefully help us bump us up in the uh, in the rankings and and help us show up, you know, for other people searching for car podcasts and and uh, help us get some more. Well, listeners. I mean,
2: people have told me that we are the best car podcast, so.
3: Well, I know, but, you know, <laughs> the people that know about us say that. That's
2: true. And I, I actually put out a call uh, not too long ago on Twitter to say, like, who should we have on? And so we should um, compile that list and get some people on because there are some really interesting uh, interesting suggestions that, you know, some we can make happen uh, more easily than others. But, uh, you know, somebody suggested RJ and I think that it, it would be fantastic. I'm, I'm yeah, working I on mean, that. I mean, hopefully that one happens because, like, I – That'd be great. I'd just love to, to chat about Rivian. That company fascinates me. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a couple of other people that we're friendly with that we should we should figure out how to get them on. Uh, so uh, hopefully that that helps keep us interesting. <laughs> sure, sure. People yeah. get tired of listening to me be like both Waldorf and Statler <laughs> at the same <laughs> time. <laughs> so uh, and, and on that yeah, note... And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're young... <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, I'll leave it at that. So thanks for listening. We'll
0: catch everybody next week. All right. Bye. Thanks,
4: everyone. Bye.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator